Ruth chapter 4, we're going to read from verses 1 down through verse 13. Ruth chapter 4. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by unto whom he said, Ho, such an one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me, that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and all and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephratah, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And he went in unto her, and the Lord gave her conception. And she bear a son. When our reading there, we trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. This morning, I want us to particularly think on those words that are found in verse 10. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malan, have I purchased to be my wife. I want us to think this morning on what I'm calling our Redeemer and the Gate of Witnesses. Our Redeemer and the gate of witnesses. 
Before we go any further, though, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you will bless the word. We pray that you will bless our hearts. We pray that thou will bless our minds, that we might be able to understand what it is that the Lord Jesus has done and is doing for us as our great Redeemer. We pray, O God, that thou wilt let our hearts be made soft to the things of God and hard to the things of the world. O Lord, we pray that our love would truly be more to the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will bless then all things that have to do with this message today. Lord, bless word, bless thought. Oh God, let your voice be heard today through that which is considered from your holy word. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. With this incident before us, I want us just to think on some words that are said in the book of Ephesians to start. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 speak of the coming and the abiding effect of the Holy Spirit on the people that the Lord Jesus has redeemed. However, the way in which this scripture in Ephesians speaks of the Holy Spirit's ministry is entirely unique. Those words say this, in whom, meaning the Lord Jesus, also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, which is another word for down payment, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That scripture says that we, as the people of God, are given a proof or an abiding assurance through the presence of the comforter with us that we are Christ's. And there comes a day in which Christ will stand as a bridegroom claiming both his bride and all that she has and may have by right of his purchasing redemption. Perhaps it may be said that the presence of the Holy Spirit is some ways akin to the putting on of a ring on the finger of the betrothed. We have this earnest, we have this sign, we have this given to us as a token of the love of Christ to be, as it were, part of our inheritance until the day when the Lord Jesus finally and ultimately takes us as his bride to the place where we will abide with him forever. And scripture tells us then that the Holy Spirit is our inheritance until the purchased possession is redeemed completely from this present evil world. As Galatians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says, of the Lord Jesus who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a wonderful imagery suggested in the words to the Ephesians. It is imagery very much in keeping with the words that we find in our text. In fact, I would say that the words of our text 
transcend being simply an illustrative picture. But in some ways, what we read in our text is a prophecy in picture form of what is the act of the Lord Jesus as he stands with the gate of heaven and pronounces his purchase. Let me say it again. Here is, I say, a word that not only pictures aforetime, but indeed is a shadow of something that is absolutely certain. It is a prophecy in sorts of what the Lord Jesus is going to do regarding his own beloved ones. So my proposition to you this morning, what I would seek to prove is simply this, that Christ, Christ stands in expectation of the rightful end of his purchase of his people by his blood. Christ stands in expectation. Now, I want you to consider the scene with me again from the book of Ruth. Boaz, it says in verse 1, sits in the gate. Though I would suggest by the moment he makes his proclamation that he has taken Ruth as his wife, I see him standing and stepping forward. And I base that on the words that concern the activity of the high priest who stands and steps forward with the price of redemption. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 11 says, And every high priest standeth daily ministering and offering. The, the point really is not essential. It doesn't really matter. But I just would say this. The important point is that Boaz is not only in a place where judgment is made, but he also stands in the place where every blessing and acknowledgement of redemption is included. There's more to just what he's doing there than the legal transaction. There is more accomplished. There is more expected. There is more that is going to happen as a result of the proclamation of Boaz that he's taking root. And likewise, I would say this, that Christ upon presenting his blood, stands in the gate of God's judgment. Now we consider what is legally achieved as he holds up his blood, and we rejoice. As the Lord Jesus holds his blood, there is the price of pardon. Here is the covering and cleansing of sin. Here is the declaration of eternal God that all sin is removed. And those for whom Christ died are free and righteous forever. We think frequently on this aspect of Christ's purchase of our redemption. This is what Christ bought for us. Our freedom, our cleansing, our pardon. But there's a wonderful aspect to his work that we sometimes fail to recognize. That aspect, that point, the positive application of the purchase is what we are to consider today. And it is plainly seen as we think on this incident from Ruth chapter 4. Here stands Boaz. Here sit 
the elders. Here is the matter of Ruth's redemption front and center. I want us to think on that. I want us to think about what it has to say about the one who stands. Not just the thing that has to do with the one who is redeemed. But I want you to think with me about the one who stands there, what he does, not just in the legal sense, but also in the positive application of all the things that come with that. So, I want you to think with me on five simple things. As we look at and as we see the man in the gate, we see this. Number one, we see a man standing expecting agreement with what he has purchased. Let me say that again. We see Boaz standing in the gate expecting, there's my key word there, expecting agreement with what he has purchased. What I'm saying is this, Boaz was not just standing in the gate worrying about what this whole matter was going to produce. Think with me for just a second. Boaz obviously knew the law. He knew the law. He knew the rights of the Redeemer. He knew that the matter was in keeping with every requirement. Boaz was standing there without anything unaccounted for. I want you to understand that it's true about the Lord Jesus. Everything that the law required for our redemption, everything that was right, everything that was in keeping with the requirements of God, all was taken care of. There was not one aspect of our redemption that was unaccounted for. Boaz then spoke and presented the fact of his purchase. I have purchased. Oh, there's something to be said with those words. The fact of his purchase, the cost had been assessed and the cost was paid. And as a result of that, he looked for the agreement of those witnessing elders. What was right would be done. And I say his manner as he was speaking to these in the gate was, a, was one of full and utter confidence and uprightness. No one could find one single fault in the whole matter from start to finish. Boaz proceeded perfectly to do all that was needed and required. And as such, he expected there to be agreement with those who were witnesses, those who were judges, with what he had done. You say, what are you saying? This, the Lord Jesus entered into the gate of God with the purchase price having been paid. And I say, say to you that when Christ entered into the courtroom of God, as it were, before the gate of God, he did so in a confidence, but with also an expectation that there would be the agreement of God with what has been done. All things are set and in order and are to be stamped as complete. In fact, I think in some ways that expectation of Christ is referred to 
in the prophecy of Jeremiah. Well-known words. The Lord uttering this. Uh, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He's saying to the people of God, I'm going to do merciful things to you and for you and in you. But these things that I do to reclaim you as, as my people are things that are done out of an expectation by someone. Well, that someone being, of course, the Lord Jesus. I say this. There is the expectation of the Lord Jesus that the judgment of heaven will be that his work is perfect. That his payment is perfect. That his plea for the redemption of his people is perfect. And the expectation that his people's future is absolutely secure and that forever. Christ expects those things. And there's an expected agreement from the throne of God that because his perfect work is seen and understood and counted as such, heaven will agree that his people's future is absolutely secure. I say this was the expectation of Boaz. Ruth's future is secure. This is agreed on. Now, I want to say this as a word of application. We worry about our future. We sometimes worry about our own salvation based on how well we appear. (laughs) Though we know that our hearts are still Moabite, we know we're still in the old man, we worry sometimes, well, I wonder if God's really, I wonder if he really is saving me, I wonder if he's going to really, you know. Ruth's, I want you to hear this, Ruth's redemption was not based on her being rid of her Moabiteness. There's no such word, but there is now. Let me say it again. Ruth's redemption, the agreement of heaven, as it were, and those in that gate that day in picture form, the agreement was not based on her being rid of her Moabiteness. It was based on the words of the man in the gate. Let me say that again. Her security, her redemption, her blessing, her security was based on the words of the man in the gate. There was agreement in the gate. Oh, may we understand that. May we understand that when Christ Jesus came and went uh, into the courts of heaven and proceeded to present his blood before the Father, it was what Christ has done that has made our redemption secure. It's not by you and I being rid of some aspect of our unsightly, ungodly old man. I want you to see a second thing. I want you to see that in this picture, in this moment, With Boaz before the elders, we see, secondly, a man standing expecting acceptance of what he has purchased. Not only agreement on what he has purchased, but also acceptance. 
And the words I have I purchased to be my wife. I want you to think of have I purchased to be my wife. Those words are words that sound like clarion bells. I think we could paraphrase what Boaz is saying here like this. All you who see me standing here, you will treat this woman as my wife. As you treat me, you will treat her. She is no second-rate citizen here. She is mine, and I am hers. There was an expectation that she would be accepted just as Boaz was accepted. I say, this declaration has sounded in heaven for you and me. We are so prone to think that we get God's smile on us and his acceptance of us when we reach some level of faithfulness and good. Let me tell you what, that thought comes from the devil. That you get God to smile on you when you reach some point of being faithful or good. Or perhaps the devil comes to you as a result of that thinking and whispers these things to you. Try harder. Yes. You want God to smile on you? You want God's countenance to be lifted on you? You want to walk in the light of the Lord? Try harder. Give out more. Suffer. Or one that I heard over and again when I was younger. Add character. As you add character, as you become a better you, then God might come to the point where he'll smile on you and accept you and treat you with his blessing. I'm here to tell you, this thought process will never be the grounds of acceptance with God. Ruth was accepted because of Boaz. She was accepted as Boaz. She was accepted as long as Boaz was accepted. She was seen as his. Therefore, she had the acceptance of those in the gate. Again, I say, as long as we are Christ's, we belong to him. We are accepted through him. We are accepted, or as Paul says to the Ephesians, we are accepted in the beloved. You are not accepted because you hope to be accepted. You are accepted because Christ has purchased that acceptance. And furthermore, I underscore this thought. Christ expects your acceptance with heaven. You think on that. Christ expects your acceptance with heaven. There's the picture. Boaz stood expecting the acceptance by those in the gate that Ruth would be his wife. Christ stands expecting 
the blessing and the acceptance of God. Now, beyond the thought of accepting Ruth into the number of the community, there was more that was expected by Boaz as he stood in the gate. And I say this, not only just the idea of accepting her, but it goes the next step beyond. And I want you to hear this and allow it to sink to your own mind and heart. There was the expectation then as a result of acceptance that there would be no withholding of any good or help or provision that would be extended to him that Ruth would not know as well. All the things that were bestowed on him for who he was, he expected to be bestowed on her as well. Do you know why you have the grace of God working for you, helping you? Do you know why you have the provisions of God undertaking for you? Do you know why you have the helps of God? Because of Jesus Christ. He expects that we will know all of those things as he does. As he does. You know, sometimes we, re we doubt just the way we are. We doubt that we will receive from heaven we doubt that we will truly receive all helps and providence that could be given. I'm here to tell you, the church is full of frustrated Christians. People who would look at the Lord and say, I just don't see what I really need. Oh, I want you to hear me. First off, that's a thought that needs to be repented of. Second, I want you to think again. We receive everything that Christ receives. The will of God dictates, though, how these treasures are applied. But again, I think this is the whole meaning of Romans 8 and 32. You know this verse. We've memorized it. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? This is not merely the hope of the believer. This is the expectation of Christ. You will have all things. Why? Because Christ expects it. For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So I want you to see with me we have here a man standing expecting the agreement of what he has purchased, a man standing expecting the acceptance of what he has purchased, a man standing expecting an effect for what he has purchased, and now, fourthly, a man standing expecting blessing on what he has purchased. There's a sense in which Boaz stood there and he was acting, looking for a reaction from those that were the witnesses there. There was a thought in his mind that those elders and the host of the people observing the moment would be far from being indifferent and without hearty response. He expected a witness of approval and blessing. And he got it. Verses 11 and 12. You have the blessing of those witnesses that day. My mind 
is almost um, hearing what the kind of response that took place. Remember at Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, that the word of God was read. You had the blessings and the cursings, and the people were all to say as they heard these things, Amen. I think in some ways that's what's that's the scene here at the gate. You be blessed and let this woman be blessed and let her be a, a, a fruitful mother of thousands and so forth. And you hear the host going, Amen. Amen. Let it be. Yeah, what a sight. But I think that was the expectation of Boaz. He expected the blessing of the, the judges and the witnesses at that time. Now I'm going to say the Lord Jesus the Lord Jesus not only expects the blessing of heaven on himself and on his work Christ expects the blessing of heaven on us as well. And I would say this note that the witnesses here in this place at this time they don't bless Boaz without the inclusion of Ruth in the same breath. There's not just, oh, Boaz, may you be blessed. No, no, no. Boaz, you be blessed, but this woman also who is now in your house. There was not a separation in the mind of those that were there. This is one blessing over the entirety of what we see. And we might ask, was Ruth blessed? Well, you'd have to say this, that Ruth was blessed long before she experienced the blessing of these people here. Are we blessed? Oh, we have been blessed in the moment the man in the gate received his blessing. Understand that, child of God, you are blessed. You are blessed in Christ. You are blessed as Christ stood in the gate of God's judgment, presenting the price of your redemption. But why don't I see blessing? You know, sometimes you almost think that God has to take a deep breath with us sometimes. Why don't I see blessing? Well, the point of the matter is God's blessing doesn't line up with man's thinking very often. What you judge to be blessing, the Lord can look at and say, that's the worst thing you can have. God's blessing is a blessing you may not discern for some time. But it is on you. For it is on Christ. And you're not considered apart from him. Well, I want us to see then this last thought. Not only do we see a man standing expecting agreement with what he has purchased. Or a man standing expecting acceptance of what he has purchased. Or a man standing expecting an effect for what he has purchased. Or a man standing expecting blessing on what he has purchased. But I want you to see this. We also see a man standing rejoicing in what he has purchased. Boaz wasn't standing before the gate glum and sour and full of worry. I always say to you this that as you were to look at Boaz, you'd have to come away with this comment. He's a glad man. <laughs> he is truly a glad man. 
I'm saying this. Christ in the gate is a man rejoicing. He is not fretted or concerned that the Father will not accept what he has done or what the Father has promised would fail. Christ rejoices because all that was needed to redeem has been done and there is heaven's witness to it. And Christ Jesus rejoices. He rejoices for the whole of the purchase is certain and will have the end that makes redeemer and redeemed full of gladness and enjoyers of joy. Christ is satisfied. Isaiah chapter 53. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. He is rejoicing. And as, uh, well, you know, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17. There's going to come a day when our Boaz turns from the gate, as it were, and sits down at the marriage supper and he sings over his bride. Again, I can't imagine what that's going to be. I can't imagine what it would sound like to have the Lord Jesus sing. But it's going to be. And it's going to be a song of gladness, a song of joy, a song uh, that will forever thrill our hearts. Again, Ephesians chapter 1 said, Until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Christ abides in glory and ever will. You know the thing I just wanted to throw in there? The Lord Jesus is not the only one that's glad. I think the witnesses that were in the gate, they're glad too. Do you know that all of heaven is glad because the Lord Jesus came to the gate of God's judgment and presented the redemption and now has what we're talking about today? That all of heaven is praising the Lamb that was slain and praising Him because He has made us unto our God kings and priests. We might even put it this way. And redeemed wives out of Moab. Our Redeemer and the Gate of Witnesses. A illustrative prophecy, I say, of what did take place and what our future is holding for us. Amen. May God bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you will let the word of God do that in our hearts what you meant for it to do. And that is to show us Christ, to cause us to behold the perfection of his work, his person, and his expectations. And Lord, may we be able to rest in what the Lord Jesus has done and that our union with him guarantees all the blessing of God Lord, seal the word to our hearts this day. Let the Spirit of God continue to preach to us as we walk before thee in this thy day. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.